What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome once again, everybody, to Blockbuster Mentality. I'm your host, Ben. We've got another great show for you folks today. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. It would help us climb the charts, which we continue to do. I know they say that every episode, but hey, it's a journey. It's not about the destination. Uh, we're continuing to climb those charts and, uh, yeah, your support, uh, helps us to do so. Uh, follow us on Twitter at blockbuster cast, Instagram at blockbuster mentality, go to our website, blockbustermentality.com and all those places you'll get updates on the show and when new episodes release. Uh, today we have on Dan Backadol. Uh, you might know him from Veep, Life in Pieces, Legit, uh, lots of other things. Uh, great uh, actor, great character actor, and uh, awesome guy to talk to about movies. He was very passionate about the movie we spoke about today. Uh, in this episode, uh, we talk about Harold and Maude from 1971. What a film. We get deep into it. Uh, so I think you'll guys, you guys will enjoy this one a lot. And again, love the passion from Dan. Uh, so here is uh, me and Dave speaking with Dan Backadol. Man, you're all mixed up with your with your red wings and your lightning. What's going on over there? Is it just I, hockey in general or what? I'm obviously, I mean, the lightning are playing right now. So this is how important you are. All right. Holy um, shit. But, Any uh, hockey will do, though. Huh? Are you? A, are you? Yeah, a I'm a, so I'm from Detroit originally. So, yeah, uh, Detroit all the way. But I live in Tampa now. So, oh, OK, um, you know, I went to I Florida a, State. I grew up in Florida, so I got a bunch of. Hey, I Dan. A lot of, right, hey, sorry, I'm late, everybody. Yeah, I got a guy. lot of horrible uh, Tampa experiences, but good yeah. ones, you know what I mean. I had friends good. who lived at the way and went to USF, and we did horrible, horrible things there. Oh, what you do? Love what are the here. USF stories? I went there. Oh, dude. <laughs> well, Mons Venus. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's... Uh, don't have that's to say spot. much more than that. That's a Tampa terrible... is just throw a rock and you hit a strip club, right? <laughs> But you know what? I mean, like we went for Guava Ween, we went for Gasparilla. We had yeah. we had great times. So Excellent. I, mean, I had a great time. Awesome. Um, it's because were sorry. you born here? You weren't born in Florida, were you? I was born in Minnesota, but uh, okay. we moved to Florida when I was about two. So I grew up down there, and then I went to college in Minnesota for two years, and then came back and went to Florida State. And finished. Yeah, up you can't there. get rid of that Minnesota accent, Dan. No, I got that's my Chicago accent. Oh, from Chicago. Being in Chicago for ten years. I guess I just pick it up wherever I go. Excellent. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have that that uh, that native LA accent, which is like, yeah, well, you know, we were planning on going, and I'm like, oh my god, dude, hurry up! <laughs> <laughs> get, 
Get to the point. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, who, who are your teams? Dolphins. Oh. Me too. Yes. Wow. Yeah, we had no we had no hockey, we had no baseball, we had no basketball when I was a kid. Yeah. In Florida. So you didn't have any of those teams. So baseball were the twins, uh, because Minnesota family, but dolphins till I die, unfortunately, unless this fucking guy sells the team and then I'm done. <laughs> You're anti Steve Ross. Oh fuck that guy. I mean, they're all <laughs> horrible people. Yeah. All sports team owners pretty much it seems like are horrible people. But that guy in particular is a fuckhead. But look, I got, I'm not going to say I believe this year, but uh, I kind of believe. Hey, you know, we, it's been that's good. I like the new coach, and I, uh, I'm, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. It's only been 20 years since the playoff win, but then again, Ben is a Detroit Lions fan, so I think we're more yeah. long, long suffering. Hey, Stafford yeah. won a championship. I, I was with the Rams. I was happy about that, but yeah, yeah with the wrong with the wrong the team. You know, I know. A, believe me, if Marino had gone off and joined San Francisco or some other fucking team and won, I would have been furious oh so i'm don't, sure don't get yeah. me wrong i wouldn't it's, have been uh, like oh good for dan i'd be like fuck that guy I, I, well it was so funny the year before he got traded like there was a game where i just was like stafford deserves so much better than detroit like he just he deserves it he's he's fought you know long and hard enough and it's just <laughs> yeah at least I just dan, don't at least marino had like successful years with the dolphins even though he didn't yeah, win like, you know year two <laughs> yeah exactly but you know <laughs> was marino why he became a fan dan uh, no, I just we lived in Miami and that yeah. was the team. My brother was a Dolphins fan and and you know everyone down there was Dolphins. And, you know I was two when they had the undefeated season, so it's not like I remember it. But um, certainly by the time you know Don Strock and David Woodley were quarterback, and I was paying very close attention when we got our asses kicked by Washington. <laughs> and um, you know, two years later when we played San Francisco, I thought we're going to win a Super Bowl. We're we got Dan the man. Yeah. And I went to every single home game, 84, 85, 86. Oh, wow. It was a good time to be a fan. I we bet. turn this into a Dolphins podcast. Yeah. I would love to yeah, talk why not? Dolphins why with not? <laughs> I got to say, the only thing I love more is hair. I'm not kidding. Like, I, I when they said, do you want to do this? I said, oh, absolutely. Any chance they haven't done Harold and Maude? And they're like, no, you're good. I thought. What's wrong with everybody you've spoken to, quite frankly? I know. Yeah, it hasn't, you know, because sometimes people give us a couple choices and that's never even been one of the choices either. Although I'm very proud of who I can't remember who it was that did the uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High because it might be the greatest teen comedy of all time. It's so such a perfect film. Yeah. Greg uh, Fitzsimmons did that. Yeah, that was it. uh, Yeah. We had a great yeah. uh, conversation with uh, you know him, uh, Matt Walsh on uh, yeah, Blade Walsh. Runner. Um, yeah, which I thought was, was in. One. I was like, Walsh picked Blade Runner. Yeah, that's interesting. And he, yeah, it was it was a deeper one. Like we usually, yeah, you know, we just kind of casually, you know, talk about it and you know just have a good time. Yeah. I mean, it was still a good time. It just we went we went deep on that sucker. It's yeah. a deep film. You know? I, <laughs> I remember I awkwardly asked him why why a comedian would pick a Blade Runner. <laughs> It's yeah. like, come on, man. I'm more than just a comedian. <laughs> yeah, not only that, I would think age-wise, Blade Runner was, you know, for us, it was like Star Wars is an unbelievable franchise, and we were kids at the perfect age for it, et cetera. You know, he's probably right around my age, so he was probably eight or nine when Star Wars came out. And But when Blade Runner came out, you were a teenager, and you're like, I want something to separate me from everybody who loves Star Wars. And Blade Runner was that film because it was like, 
this is not your average popcorn. You got to really get in and it's dark and it's noir and it's, yeah. it's a whole nother thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, that sci-fi movie for adults, you know, where Star Wars, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, it was, they always say it's made for kids, but obviously as adults, we yeah. still love it and everything. But yeah, that, yeah. but yeah, then thinking obviously man with sci-fi. Harrison Ford, oh, too, you know, for sure. Well, was I never day? even saw that. He said it's the thinking man sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you not see 2049, Dan? I didn't. I just, I was so scared to, because I was like, every time we revisit one of these things, I wind up heartbroken. I'll wind up watching it on an airplane someday, and then I'll wish I saw it on a big screen, I'm sure. I think you'll like it. I really do. What, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get into the movie, but I want to ask a little bit about your career. What's, uh, what, what do you get asked uh, most about? Like, what project do you get asked most about? Like, what do people bring up the most? I, I think Veep is probably the biggest yeah. thing that I get recognized for and people want to talk about. Um, there's two other projects that if someone brings them up, they're not going to get rid of me. If they talk about Legit, the show I did with Jim Jeffries, that's it. I'm buying them lunch. We're going to talk because yeah. <laughs> I'm such a fan of the work on that thing. And then um, uh, Life in Pieces, of course, because I did more Life in Pieces than anything else I've ever done. And it's funny when I travel around the U.S., I'll get like a eh, kind of like a knowing look and maybe a point and a whisper or something. <laughs> but in Canada, man, they love them some Life in Pieces up there. I'll get like, hey, Life in Pieces, eh? hey, <laughs> Dr. Tim. And I'm like, oh, my God, like they really... Right. They love yeah. it. So I, it's it's hard to say, but easily my favorite one to talk about is legit just because I thought, I mean, look at the movie I picked. I picked a dark comedy. I prefer right, yeah. something on the darker side. I mean, it's almost hard to call Harold Maude a dark comedy because so many people would say, I don't see the comedy in this. Yeah. But I think my, they will just before we get into it, but they're completely wrong. Oh, I thought absolutely. This movie was quite hilarious. To be when, yeah. when was the first time you watched this movie? Yesterday, I had never seen. Oh yes, I had never <laughs> yes! seen the movie. That's what I'm hoping for. And in fact, well, you know, one of the things, um, you know, we're, we're we're movie lovers. Obviously, that's why we that's why we're here. Um, but I think the really the best thing, Ben, you probably agree, is that discovery of of new things. And you know, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I think back when I'm maybe rewatching something. And I'm like, man, I wish I wish I was watching this for the first time. Uh, and so it yeah. was great. But I got to tell you. When you when Ben told me, Dan, you picked this movie because everyone has heard everyone certainly heard of this movie and they know what the, they yeah. think they know what the story is. And I sent Ben a couple of of exasperated gifts uh, and texts, being like, "Oh Christ, I gotta watch Harold and Maude. I don't want to watch this movie. What is yeah. it? Some some young kid banging an old lady? I'm I have no interest in this movie because I thought I knew what it was because it's just been like absorbed right. it through whatever." Uh, and I could not have been more wrong. So, well, it's in the zeitgeist. It's in the zeitgeist for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you're absolutely right that it, it's it's oh, it's just some young guy banging an old lady. This uh, guy that I write with, <laughs> we were sitting today for four hours and I said, I got to go, man. I got a podcast. I want to talk about Harold Maude. And he goes, oh, uh-huh. and I went, you don't know Harold Maude. Now he's 24, so I don't expect him to. But right. I said, dude, it is it is about. Oh, how do I say the story without saying that, without saying it's about <laughs> yeah, an 18 year old yeah. guy banging an 80 year old woman? Cause it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's-, it's about what the fuck are we doing here? What's the point? Who cares? I can't make it through this difficult time or whatever. Right. And 
man yeah it's yeah it's yeah it's so much yeah deeper than that yeah surface level it's like yeah yeah the whole yeah banging an 80 year old but yeah it's it's so so much more than that um and i think what kind of sparked people's uh memory of it was um uh what is it Uh, something something about mary yeah something about mary uh Uh, why can't I? Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz's character is always talking about, yeah, the great love story yep. of Harold and Maude, and you know, that's, <laughs> you know, yeah. I gotta say, I, I, I think you know, I could easily have talked about something about Mary today too. It's a phenomenal film, but yeah. when I was sitting in the theater, I lived in Chicago at the time, watching that movie, and she said, "My favorite movie, something is a uh, Harold Maude." I went, "Oh no," <laughs> because. Harold Maude has been my favorite movie since I was, I don't know, 12. And I thought, you can't tell people it's your favorite movie now because it's going to be like, oh, right, like Mary from something. Like, honestly, I thought there's going to be this giant rush to be cool and know what Harold Maude is. And, oh, man, didn't happen. Thank God. But what, you got some weird fetish, Dan? I mean, come on, man. Why do you No, No, I just because it's. Because uh, it's so dark, and because I've had those dark moments of like, fuck it, what's the point? What are we doing here? What What are we gonna? And in my darkest moments of life, my parents had an old. You guys, uh, maybe not old enough to know what photo mat was, but we had them in Florida. Photo mat was a little blue, probably ten by eight foot square building that was in the parking lot of like a Publix, which is a grocery store for anyone who doesn't live in Florida. (laughs) And it had a yellow roof on it, kind of like a pizza hut roof. And they, they would develop your film for you, but they also, once VHS came along, started renting and selling VHS tapes. And my mom's friend, Anne bought her a copy of Harold and Maude because Anne loved it. And Anne is now a 78 year old woman. So, um, but Ann bought this for my mom back in, you know, 79 or whatever, when you could actually buy a VHS, not a beta. And we had it. And in my darkest hour of life, and I was like, she broke my heart. I can't live anymore. <laughs> right. I'm home from a night of drinking with the boys on the, the ultimate depressant of, you know, too much weed and too much alcohol. Yep. And I'd slide in Harold and Maude. And by the time the credits rolled at the end, or there are no credits at the end of the older movies, but right. by the time it was over, I went, Ah, damn, I'm going to be all right. And I go back to bed and that's no joke, man. Every night. And I was listening to Cat Stevens all day because there was something in that sad, weepy music that said, it's going to be all right. You just got to keep pushing. You can't stop here because here sucks. Just keep going. Do you you still use this movie as like sort of a pick me up when I, you know, when you need to, you know, feel better? I, I cannot tell you. Uh, the number of t- when I get an opportunity to introduce someone to this movie, like Andrew today, I was like, Oh dude, you gotta, uh, it's on Amazon prime. Yep. It's free. I'm prime. <laughs> yep. you know, um, I was like, dude, you gotta watch it now. Watch it tonight. Cause I think it's going to blow everyone's minds and not everyone gets into it the way I do, but I sat down today to watch and I was like, I gave myself 40 minutes too little. Cause I need to stop sometimes and breathe and go, Whoa. My life has changed so dramatically since I was that, you know, I, I keep saying I was a kid. I was probably 28, yeah. but I was, you know, the broken heart. Well, maybe I was 23. It doesn't matter how old I was. The point is I was broken hearted and thinking life was over because I feel right. sorry for myself. And now I'm like, no, you do. You just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and start all over again. And, and, and in the film, they use the song. 
if you want to sing out so beautifully because it shows up all throughout. She plays it on the player piano, which she then stands up and walks away from, which is yeah. still playing, which is a great bit. <laughs> um, but that like, and then that's the song that he learns to play on the banjo. Right. And it is like, if you want to be free, be free, you know, and that, it's kind of easy to say that, you know, sitting yeah. in Los Angeles or in Tampa <laughs> or, you know, right. Like, exactly. Yeah, there it's... are parts of the world where they'd like to be free, but he's not talking about, yeah, it's freedom Being of the mind. Free, freedom of yeah. the mind, right? Yeah, right? And that's what she's talking about too. Look, she's a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, this it is, is such a stuff. subtle. Yeah, it's such a subtle so, you know, thing too. I like, like the they way never, they played it. They, yeah, they never like a story she told. Yeah, you, know, you, you don't really even need to hear anything because you see the no. tattoo and the story is it, everything. It, it's all there. Yeah, it's show don't tell, right, Ben? That, isn't that what you yeah, just said? Yeah, yeah, show don't tell. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. It's just like I wonder. Yeah. I wonder too. And now, you know, unfortunately, you know, Hal Ashby didn't write it, but he directed it. And obviously Ashby directed, you could do being, you could do a month of being there. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. That film is unbelievable. But um, the, the writer Colin Higgins, I think was the guy, it was a play originally. And, um, you know, I would like to ask him, is Maude lying about some of this stuff? Is she lying? Cause that's the feeling I got as a 52 year old man watching it today. I went, Oh shit. She's lying about some of this stuff to make herself feel better, to go, it's not worth it. You know, when he, if you remember, he sees the umbrella above the the fireplace and he goes, What's that? And she goes, Oh, that was my tool for when we were fighting. Fighting what? Oh, big issues. We were protesting in the streets. And, you know, which obviously, at least from what she says, sounds like she lived in Austria. She was yep. Uh, if the movie's 1971, let's say that it's accurate to time. So in 1937, she would have been a 40 some year old woman. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so as a 47 year old grown up, she's watching fascism come in and destroy her country. Yeah. She's you're either out in the you to beat them or you join them or you run the hell away. Right. And she decided not to to join them. She went out there with her umbrella to fight them. Right. And, and we only know that because of the tattoo. Exactly. It, yeah. It's just, I, I love that. Um, the, you know, the director, the storyteller leaves it to the, like they yeah, trust the audience enough to, to put that together and they don't have to spell it out. And here's a right. flashback of her in the Holocaust or her, <laughs> yeah. here's exactly. her telling a big monologue of her in the Holocaust, you know, and, and, and she kind of go ahead. No, 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 no you go. I was going to say just quickly that she focuses on the positive. That's her, her main Which one of us? Which one of us? Sorry. All right. I was going to say, go, Ben. Do not disturb. I was just going to say, I remember when she's showing him her paintings and she goes, this one is, you know, self-portrait with Lila and the swan in the corner. And it's clearly her naked riding a swan. And she goes, this one is, and she puts her hand to her mouth. She's thinking. And I go, oh, she's lying. Because she goes, rainbow an egg underneath and an elephant. And I thought now either she couldn't remember the name of it because she's turning 80. If you remember that it was the painting that looked like some sort of obscure dolly or something. And, and she, and, but the way that she says it, the choice, Ruth Gordon is a tremendous actor. There is no way she was just lazy that day and couldn't remember her lines and they kept it. Right. So that was on purpose that she said it the way she said it. And do you and think the way that she said it sounded like she was making it up as she went along and it made me go, Oh no, is she, 
is she just lying because she knows that this poor young boy is struggling through life and she's here to help him? Is that oh, or, she wants to put what? a happy spin on everything? Is that maybe? Yeah. Are, 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 but is, is she, it about? Go ahead, Dave. No, no, no. Well, is she lying to herself? Is she trying to always put a not lying, but fake it till you make it to the end? Or like, what's the what's the reasoning? Uh, not to. But oh, I was just gonna say. My guess is she's doing it for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's doing it for him because its name is probably really death, despair, and the broken horn. Or something right. like that, you know, and she's like, ah, not this kid can't take it. Oh, so, yeah. you know, here's she has all these different. Remember her smell, uh, her art piece that is like uh, olfactory and she <laughs> right. gives him New York City subway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and but she she it's almost like she knows him already because she go and he goes snow and he stops and she's like snow <laughs> and and then they're both happy and she, you know. She plays the piano and it looks like she's playing it. And then she stands up and it's a player piano, <laughs> but she doesn't go. I got gotcha. you. She was lying. She wasn't playing the piano. She was, she was lying. In that yeah. Piano. So I, I look at it and I think, I don't know, but I, I love that. It might even be one of those ones where they go, mm, I don't know. What do you think? And I would yeah, love it yeah. if, if you got to talk to the playwright and the, you know, screenwriter and have them say, I don't know. What do you think it was? Right. Yeah, I don't know if uh, is Hal Ashby's not with us anymore, is he? No, no Hal's gone, and yeah. I don't know about Colin. Higgins, Higgins. Higgins is gone, too. Yeah, he yeah. died at 47 in 1988. There was, um, a, there was wow. a funny thing about him. I happened to read that he was he got a, a Master's of Fine Arts from UCLA, wanted to write movies, and ended up in the studio, ended up being a pool cleaner for the studio head and that's how this wow. movie came about by by giving the script to the wife <laughs> wow back in the old days when that actually happened right yeah <laughs> um well but back to that kind of lying thing i i think i mean it also i, I i'm gonna choose to believe that that it's our choice what we believe because yeah you know because we can sometimes lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better like mm-hmm. it you know everything's gonna be fine you know it's gonna you know this too shall pass you know just let's live life you know, even though we know, yes, bad things are going to happen, but, or, you know, uh, the situation I'm in is, is way worse than I'm making it out to be, but I gotta, I gotta lie for myself and for the people around me to keep my sanity, to keep my emotional, you know, uh, wits about me. Um, you know, that's kind of how, I take it. And I also love just, you know, with Ruth, uh, Ruth Gordon, that, you know, an 80 year old, I think, uh, I think that she's actually like 74 when this came out, but anyway, she's 80 in the movie and she brings so much life to this movie. She's a breath of fresh air. You would not (laughs) think to see that in, (laughs) in someone of her age. Like she's the breath of fresh air in the movie. Yeah. Not the 22 year old kid. (laughs) Well, they do such a wonderful job of using all the archetypes of like the, the distant mother who is the, really the driving force of the whole film. Like, uh, what's her name? Pickles. She, uh, she plays the mom that's like Harold please because he's <laughs> making too much noise while she's filling out his dating profile and saying oh yes <laughs> i certainly do you know yeah. um so she's the distant cold mother in this giant cold house 
right. with servants and all this stuff. And she's always dressed to the nines and everything. And then you've got the uncle who's in the military, who's missing the arm that pulls <laughs> yeah, the, so the cord and he goes, Eep! so that when he, <laughs> later he pulled the trick on him and, and Maud goes through the hole and into the ocean, he's like, what have you done? But he's still got his arm up there. But they've got these a- archetypes. To, yeah, go ahead. That's like one of the funniest physical gags of any movie I've ever seen, honestly. Yeah, in a in a movie this dark. And then you've got the psychiatrist, and I don't know if you caught it, but Harold and the psychiatrist, they change clothes, but they're always wearing the exact same clothes. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't notice while I was watching, but yeah, I read that like in the trivia, like on IMDB or whatever. Yeah. Like that's it's, so <laughs> I gotta watch it now again. To... Little things where you go, what do they mean by that? Like what what does that mean? I don't. Is, is it why him? They do that. Is it him kind of trolling the uh, psychiatrist? But then again, how would, would he so. know what he's going to be wearing? He's like the original yeah. troll. Oh. oh yeah, no, I don't think Harold is trolling psychologists. I think that it's like it has to be. Uh, it has to be either Ashby or yeah. Colin Higgins. I have the play. Uh, I don't have it now. We just moved, so everything's in boxes. But I have the play. But I don't recall that being written in there. Okay, and then the priest being this, you know, guy that they run into a couple to Eric Christmas, who by the way is in Friends, is in Seinfeld, uh-huh. is yeah. is the little old priest in everything, uh-huh. you know. Oh, he okay. shows up, and he is such a perfect, and and they all have their little icons over their shoulders. So it's it's Nixon over the the general's shoulder yeah. it's freud over, <laughs> over the, the other shoulder, shoulder. yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then it's, you have a and love then for it's, your mother uh, you know jesus of course over the priest but <laughs> right that he <laughs> all three of them are like the archetypes of like you've got military religion and psychiatry none of them get them they're all drab they're all kind of monotone and even when they're using emotion it's forced right and then he comes along with a yellow umbrella and a white raincoat at that i think it's like the second one that he sees her at the second funeral yeah, funeral yeah, yep, he's her yep. at, and she's walking along twirling her umbrella and all happy <laughs> and, shit. and yeah she is just everything she says is is a motivational speech yeah which i wonder then if if maybe dave isn't right that like maybe she is whistling in the dark you know, maybe she's seen and experienced such horrible things that she just keeps faking it, hoping she'll make it. Because everything, it's ultimately a choice, right? Harold has to choose to live. Yeah. And she's his example. And obviously, we know we went through horrors. And so, yeah, I, I, that's kind of in my mind, too. But it, it is interesting to wonder um, kind of how she got to where she was, because I think we all want to be where her mod was, right? Right. Well, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I think too, like they juxtapose them. And I believe me, I do. I can't do this with film because I don't pay attention to them enough. This is just the movie that I've seen so many times and have spent so much time thinking about that. I can go, I wonder if they did this on purpose, but they uh-huh. juxtapose the mom is this cold giant cavernous castle house and servants and everything. And Maude is in an old train car that you yes. have to walk around little dividers to pass all this beauty that's in there. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got art and flowers and all this amazing stuff there. Right. So I, I think that they do such a beautiful job with that, that it must be on purpose to I say, think like, so too. you can, you can live by the rules and you can be cut off from emotion and life and you can have all of this, but ultimately you really got nothing. 
or you can be completely connected, have gone through hell. And if your attitude is, what is it, Abraham Lincoln, they attribute it to that a person is as happy as he makes up his mind to be. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know if it's really him. It could have been Twain. Yeah. I don't know who the hell said it, but, um, <laughs> right. you know, that's kind of the point of the thing. And what she gives him a, a, a banjo, one of the most, like maybe a violin would be more difficult, right? <laughs> you know, like one of the most difficult instruments to play. Oh, here it is. And she hands it to him. Yeah. And it says, go learn to play, go learn to live. Yeah, right. It's great. It, I, yeah. It's, you know, it, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like that just juxtaposition with yeah him living in that huge house and her living in a tiny thing. And she's, she's the happy one and she's 80, you know, and he's, you know, 22 has his whole life ahead of him and he's <laughs> the miserable one and he has all the means in the world. And it just, yeah, it goes to, you know, just for a 1971 movie to speak on that, you know, that it's not about, you know, uh, things and, and, and money. It's, you know, just how you choose to, to live your life, you know, when you're, when you're able, it's so, so great. Um, and I, I will say we were talking earlier about how, you know, when people start to watch this movie, obviously we have the Cat Stevens song at the beginning. Um, a few years ago, I tried watching this movie, um, I watched like the first 15 minutes. I just couldn't get into it. Now I was going to go back to it and I never did until yesterday. So, um, wow. <laughs> uh, so I, which I'm so glad I did, but, yeah. uh, cause it's very, you know, it's very bleak at first and strange. You got this kid who looks like a corpse, or a walk, <laughs> yeah. you know, a walking corpse, uh, you know, and he's hangs himself at the beginning of the movie, but it's, he doesn't really he's just uh you know it's uh it's very interesting so like a first time viewer i can see you know being just like what what am i watching um but you know obviously now watching the whole thing you, it just you know comes full circle and it's just uh, outstanding um and uh now so is he is he doing all this the fake suicide is he is he just trying to get attention is that what he's doing trying to get attention from his well, mom there- there's that one great scene with the psychiatrist where he says, were all of these for your mother's benefit? And he goes, no, no, yeah. I would not <laughs> say benefit. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, great line. <laughs> yeah, they kind of, they kind of go into it a little bit. I can't remember if he's telling Maud about it. I think it's when he's telling Maud about it, but um, that, he had that explosion in the, in the chemistry lab and his yep. mom thought he was dead and he saw her put her hand on her head like this and then collapse. And it's the first time he ever saw his mother express love towards him. Yeah. And the only time he ever saw his mother express love towards him. So he decided, well, then I'm just going to devote my life to trying to recreate that moment and get yeah. more of that. It's and I, I think, dead. You know, it's shortly within the movie, you find out by, you know, attempt two or three, obviously she's like, oh, God, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> yeah, it's the one in the bathroom after the dinner party. And she's like, this is too much. Yeah. And he's, you know, laying there going ah, with his tongue out. <laughs> but you notice, too, that like, so the opening scene, you have Don't Be Shy by Cat Stevens, yep. which is which is a song about, you know, let your feelings roll on by and don't wear fear. Or nobody will know you're there. Um, just lift your head and let your feelings out instead, which is a total anthem of like, own yourself, be yourself, go out there and get the yeah. world while he's dressed in this very tight, you know, double-breasted suit, <laughs> right. putting his name on his chest and then hanging himself, right? Right. And then the mom proceeds to cancel some sort of appointment 
on the phone. She looks at him and then picks up the phone and cancels an appointment <laughs> and says, it's just too much. I got a dinner party tonight. I can't do it. And then she hangs up and she says, hey, we're having dinner tonight. You know, seven o'clock do try to be a little more vivacious. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's being she you know, it's like it's yeah. almost like a uh, it's almost like a joke I would expect from like a CBS Tuesday night sitcom. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> then the very next thing that happens is they're on the at the table And she's telling that story to the people at the table. (laughs) Oh, Harold hung himself today because what she says is his father had a similar sense for the macabre, you know, so her, and I never caught that before that what she's doing is telling the people at the table, Oh, Harold hung himself today. He's really driving me nuts with this stuff. Okay. So I didn't, I must not have caught that either. So that's what happened to his father. He, he hung himself or. Well, I don't don't know because they don't say where dad is. Yeah. But we assume he's the only, dead right i think i assume he's either dead or he got tired of being with a very cold woman yeah because she's so cold she got the Um, house though but yeah but (laughs) but yes far more important but i think dead (laughs) makes more sense considering his sense of darkness you know um but i think too that like you notice like there's definitely the one that he's not doing for his mom he's doing for the date where he where he uh what is it? Emulate? What do you call it when they when they burn themselves alive? I'm going to say Immolation. emulation. Yeah, like he emulates himself. <laughs> and, That's the funniest the girl, thing in the whole movie. And the girl goes, Harold! Goes, oh, <laughs> yes, here's Harold now. Um, <laughs> so obviously that one's not for mom. That one was for the girl. So at that point, and then also the Romeo and Juliet girl with the knife. That's where true. He's clearly just doing it to get the girl to, yeah, to and- not shit the girl, but to pull a fast one on her to trick her. But she plays along with it, and yeah, that you know. So if he wasn't, you know, with your in- interested in mod, do we think that he that would have been like a perfect fit for him? Like, is I that, don't know. I think yeah. I think that girl was bonkers. Well, and that's what they were they were saying. <laughs> totally. Like, oh, actresses. That's what they. Yeah. That's what that moment said to me. Yeah, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and that's yeah. what it says to me today: is fucking actresses, yeah. right? <laughs> or actors, really? No, it's not. Bi- it's she was way biased. too much. <laughs> yeah, she was, but she went on to be a star. That girl, she's in a time. Yeah, she looks familiar. Like, yeah, I want to say like Star Trek: Next Generation or something. Oh, really? I can't remember, but she was in a ton of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I forget. So I gotta say, my experience was very different than Ben's. I'd never seen this movie before. And we have this this very long, drawn-out opening scene where we don't see Harold. He's lighting candles. He's walking through what actually kind of looks like a funeral parlor um, and hangs himself. <laughs> but me, as soon as the mom, and it looks like, oh, shit, this is, and it all plays scary, not scary, but uh, emotional, um, off-putting. Um, you know, this is a death. And so I got all that. But as soon as the, the, the camera is looking up from almost Harold's perspective, as the mom is walking into the door and her like her little glance and then back to whatever she's doing to sit on the chair. I am locked in. I get it. I know exactly what this movie is doing. And I was totally locked into the humor. I I, li- I literally burst out laughing when oh, based good. on her reaction. I thought it was brilliant. And every gag he did, I was on board. And I would almost say this movie is not dark because there's an unreality to the entire film where it's sort of okay. Like, the, you know, that we might 
the the the, the car chase scene with Tom Skerritt as the as the <laughs> yes. as the cop. I mean, it's one of the most ridiculous things you'll ever see him. Oh. <laughs> but hilarious oh. and fun, especially the fi- the final of it when he finally catches her at the <laughs> end of it. Yes, <laughs> it's great. It's good to see him. Uh, that I love Tom Skerritt whenever he pops up in something. Um, but he's credited as a different name in that movie. Oh, is but he? G- continue. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. It's in the credits. He's he's got a different name. It's not Tom Scarrett. <laughs> That's correct. So that, he, I, I he's from why. he's from he's from Detroit too. Fun fact. Is he? Uh, yeah. Um, but I don't need to go on and on and on. But yeah. I, I feel like there was a, some an unreality to the film where, and it caught me. You know, it's always whatever maybe whatever mood you're in or however you receive something. But I completely understood what this movie was doing, um, right from like you know that second minute and. Like, I don't, I really don't think it's super dark. I thought it was more performative, um, what Harold was doing. And, and he's someone who is obsessed with death, but like, not really. He, he doesn't even understand what he's obsessed with. He doesn't understand. Right. He's obsessed with death because he doesn't understand life. And so he has to go through a process to understand life so that he can appreciate what death actually is. Um, so all the stuff about stabbing himself and always <laughs> the blood all over the bath. And all that. Yeah. He's just, he, he's just messing with everybody and he's, he's just challenging himself. Yeah, right. exactly. Honestly. Yeah. I, I agree. I, you know, and I think that like the reason we say it's so dark or the reason I said it was so dark is because yeah. it is, it is, you know, it's suicide again and again and again and again. I have a friend who's a brilliant writer and he wrote a show about uh, a series about, you know, almost like a Logan's run, except it's voluntary. Okay. Where it's like, <laughs> you know, people are, people are like, I'm fucking done, man. I'm done. I'm going to the show. And they're yeah. like, really? And they go, yeah. What What night? I'm going to go Saturday. We'll be there for you, man. And people show up and watch their friend, oh, man. you know, blow up. Right. Oh, and he got right out of the gate. People going like, no, dude, you got your main character killing himself in the first in the pilot. Uh-huh. And he was like, so I'm not <laughs> saying this is for the people that are watching two and a half men yeah. or whatever yeah. the equivalent is today. You right. know, um, but I think that like back to what you were saying, Dave, about that, that police thing, right. With, with, when Scarrett pulls him over the first time and, you know, he's like, all right, lady, you know, <laughs> what's going on? And he's just kind of like a dopey cop. And it's like, oh, it's the dopey cop archetype. And then later he's so pissed off when he finally catches her that he skids to a stop, almost falls over, tries to put his <laughs> kickstand down. Can't get it. Now he's pissed at the kickstand, finally gets it down. <laughs> And then he's walking, but he's got this little thing that he does both times that he gets off the bike where he's adjusting his cock and balls, you know, where he goes like, like hikes it up. And then he comes up and he goes, all right, lady, he opens the door and the door slams shut again because he opened it too forcefully. So it goes, bam, bam, right? All right, lady. And that's another, it's like, it's physical comedy, physical comedy, physical comedy, back to back to back. Yeah. And then he's like, get out of the car, get out of the car, buster. Like everything about it is funny. And she's just playing it so beautifully like oh don't be so officious you're not yourself when you're officious she doesn't even know she's like oh, have we met and he's like all right lady go oh must have been your brother there is a family resemblance <laughs> and everything she does and says is yeah she just doesn't take anything seriously exactly yeah she's just yeah she's just living she's not uh i think she even says you know we mustn't you know be scared to make fools of ourselves or you know something along those lines in the film and um and i just love how you know him her and harold you know form this bond and are going on these funny little 
you know, adventures where she's driving crazy and yeah. they, you know, steal the tree and everything and all that. But then you get the scene, you know, when they're in her house and he tells her about what we alluded to earlier yeah. about, you know, his first, you know, death. Um, and it was, yeah, the whole chemistry thing. And he, you know, said basically that's, you know, what, uh, uh, you know, I then always wanted to be dead, uh, or, you know, play dead or whatever you say. Yeah. And then she, she has the beautiful, uh, line and delivery. Um, I'm just going to read the quote here because it's yeah. so great. Uh, Please. uh, a lot of people enjoy being dead, but they are not dead. Really. They're just backing away from life. Reach out, take a chance, get hurt even, but play as well as you can. Go team, go. Go team, go. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, it's just. Otherwise, uh, you got nothing to talk about in the locker room. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. yep. You know, I just got chills, man. I'm not kidding. I know, like, man. Yeah. And it's it's not just her portrayal is unbelievable. I mean, look, the woman won two Oscars. She Every film she did, including Every Which Way But Loose, are classics she is yeah. a bona fide killer yeah and it's not amazing. just her it is the words the guy wrote some right. amazing words because the, yeah. the the other scene you know that to me brings a chill and almost a tear every time having seen it a hundred times is when they're you know and she's like if i come back i'd like to come back as a sunflower what kind of flower would you like to come back as harold and he goes i don't know one of these and it's a field of daisies yeah and she goes, oh, why? And he says, I don't know, because they're all the same. And she says, oh, but they're not. And right there, you get her whole entire philosophy because she says, looks, I don't remember exactly, but it's, some of them are bent, some of them are broken, some are even missing petals. Right. All kinds of little differences if you just look. And then she says, like, the, you know, which is this thing that you go back. And at that point, you haven't seen the tattoo yet. Right. And she yep. says, she says, uh, I think much of the world's, suffering i think yeah. comes from you know people who are this but allow themselves to be treated as that yes you yeah. know which is a very punk rock rebellious yeah. approach to life you know yeah and the this is yeah the flowers and yeah the that is the yeah the the grave yeah the field there. of flowers yeah or or even or i thought it was like the graves like weren't they in a, a cemetery well no then they it's it's a it's an edit okay. thing there because what they do is they they switch from them being they they do a wide shot of them being in the field of daisies and they're way up in the upper left corner okay in this yeah, field yeah. of daisies and she's saying you know i think many of the Sorrows come from people who are this, right. but let themselves be treated as that. And then they cut out to the graveyard and you go, right. whoa, but I think that's just one of those attractive artistic points because now they're in the upper right hand corner yeah. of the screen mm -hmm. and in yeah. the graveyard and it's like field of daisies, graveyard. What's the difference? That's kind of what she's saying is don't just yeah. be one of the millions in this graveyard. Be John Smith. Here lies John Smith, who on the 14th day of June, 12 20 34 right <laughs> year 12 20 34 yeah um, but you know one. like it's it's i i gotta say man it is yeah it's just such a beautiful and powerful film that you know some movies don't age well yeah you know whether it's Definitely. bad sound or or you know their their reliance on the modern technology of the day or whatever but this movie ages so well because i think partly because it was a play first you yeah, because everything is in the words. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the play? I've never seen the play. I wanted to do it in college, and then I was yeah. like, ah, 
who's the 80 year old woman? Where are you going <laughs> right. to find an 80 year old woman to do this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> were, were you wanting to play Harold? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, a couple of times as an actor, you know, they would tell you, you know, you have to have a, a monologue for an audition, especially for play, you know, for theater work in Chicago. And so I went to Harold Maude and I took, I took two different speeches. One was the one you just read. Go team, go. Yes. Otherwise, <laughs> L-I-V-E, live. Yep. Otherwise, you got nothing to talk about in the locker room. So I took that speech and made it into a monologue. And then another one that I took was the one where the priest is going, I would be remiss in my duties if I did not say that the idea of your young body co-mingling with the withered <laughs> flesh, sagging breasts, and flabby <laughs> bottom make me want to vomit you know not exactly that but right and i tried to do that as a monologue and it's yeah. like oh man it's, this doesn't work but we might as well talk about the the fact that they do have a sexual relationship but and what's interesting to me or what i liked rather about this film is the way it played it which is to say that there was i think legitimate pushback on the relationship it's it is odd like the movie never never pretends that it's not odd we have a yeah. reason we, we understand why the characters connect the way they do but we also the the audience isn't told to be like oh no don't worry it's it's fine of course it's not unusual that's your own bias against it the movie never says yeah. that <laughs> yeah you know, you know what i'm saying right. it's not yeah. it's it's not shy about the fact that this is weird but we get it and that's what i like about how they played it yeah, I think it's I think it's beautiful. The way they play it is like one minute they're hanging out and talking and sharing their deepest, darkest secrets. And the next minute, I think I seen the light. He lost his virginity <laughs> and he's in bed with an 80 year old woman. Yeah, right. And you're going, yeah. what the fuck? Like, if you don't <laughs> yeah. know ahead of time that that's where this is going. Yeah. You might not have caught his having again, having seen it so many times when she shows him that big wooden sculpture and she goes to get the ginger pie and oat straw tea for him. And she goes, get in there, feel it, caress. Yep. And she's clearly flirting with him. And I caught it this time that he's kind of going like, hell yeah, this lady's into me. Like, I mean, that was a big, was a big vagina. That was in, yeah, I was going to say that's a <laughs> oh, yeah. innuendo. That was a total <laughs> wood, big wooded vagina. He puts his yeah. head in it and goes, oh, 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 you know, but that I'm now seeing in this viewing of it, that there are some times where he is looking at her like, hell yeah, this chick is into me. You know, he's, he's not going, this is weird at all. Yeah. He's going, I can't believe it. I finally found somebody. Yeah. You know, exactly. and that's, that's why I don't know how you guys do things, but like, I, cause I don't want to go too far into the film before it's time. But when he's in the uh, ambulance with her, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And he says, and he says, you know, don't die, Maude. I love you. And she's like, oh, that's wonderful. Go and love some more. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the whole thing is like, it doesn't just go fucking eat it up. Who knows, man? That tattoo tells you she knows life is short, even though hers happens to be long. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Know? And she yeah, she knows life. She lived her life on her know? own terms. And, She's yeah. gone out yeah. on her own terms. Yeah, uh, yeah, on which her is own pretty terms. tremendous. We we learned that she took pills. Was it uh, alluded to before? Yeah, at the dinner, they're sitting at dinner just before they cut to the ambulance, and you know she says, oh, 
it'll all be over tomorrow. And he's like, what, what do you mean? And she goes, well, I took the pills an hour ago. I'll be gone by morning. Yeah. yeah. And then he, they just had, they had some wonderful pauses in this film, some amazing silences. Right. That one where he then goes, what? And then yeah. it cuts to the ambulance. The other one is earlier when she's posing naked for the ice sculptor. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and she goes, do you think it's inappropriate for a woman like me? And she's clearly like pouring it on like this sexual <laughs> right. you know, tension. And he's, looking down and then he goes no he just suddenly looks up and says no like they like i that had to be a director thing or bud court is brilliant either one because it is a thing of like both take take much more time than you think you need yeah to say no Uh, and then there's another one in there where he has this big pregnant pause where you go is he gonna answer um but that that (laughs) one there is the one that really hits you because then it goes into that fucking song, Trouble, which, mm-hmm. you know, pre-digital age, I had to scour. You know, I didn't have Google. Oh, I didn't yeah. have, yeah. you know, there was no uh, all-access music uh, database or anything. So mm-hmm. I had to scour record stores and use CD places to find Mona Bone Jack on, which is the Cat Stevens album that has the song Trouble on it because it uh-huh. is, it is the one song in the film that is dark and sad and not on a rosy uh, topic. Some of the other songs yeah. sound sad. Miles from nowhere. Where did the children play? They have yeah. a sound, a song, a uh, sad sound to them, mm-hmm. but they're ultimately songs of hope and faith. And right. And, and, and yeah, trouble. this uh, trouble song. Yeah. I've, I've drunk your wine. You have made me your world mine. So won't you be fair? It, it's just, yeah, there's yeah. so many profound right. lyrics yep. in this. It's, it's just such a tremendous song. And when I yeah. finally found it, I found that there's like four or five other songs from that album that are on the soundtrack. And they never released that soundtrack. They never released the Harold and Maude oh, soundtrack. Oh, no. It yeah, that would it be my first question. Why didn't you get yeah. the soundtrack? So they didn't. It wasn't never... the era of the soundtrack. You didn't That's go crazy. out. You didn't go out and get the you know, um, Towering Inferno soundtrack. I mean, maybe by 76 or whatever you were. Yeah. That's nuts. So this, one, well, yeah, you could think like this. Yeah, this was the same year as Clockwork Orange. Um, yeah, right. Uh, 71? Clockwork yeah, Orange? 71. 71. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The year what a before. dark year, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Some dark films this year. Uh, but yeah, yes. like there was no Harold Maude soundtrack. And again, it being pre- digital era there wasn't like you could do now in spotify or apple and go yeah. you know harold mound's soundtrack and some guy has put it together in perfect order and put in sound clips of the film and everything but yeah now they have finally released it i saw it in a record store a couple of weeks ago and i was like do i get this <laughs> i wonder how much yusuf is getting for this like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like is he getting any of this or is this belong to paramount or whoever it was you know that's the thing too when do we call him yusuf and when do we call him cat stevens like i i don't, I think, I don't know like i don't I think, think he I, cares anymore that's okay. cat stevens. I saw, yeah i saw <laughs> him i saw him live a couple of years ago um and he did a thing called a cat's attic which was just basically him telling his entire story okay and this kind of leaves this uh topic of the film for a bit but also stays on topic because he talked about you know, I was a kid, I was searching and you go back and listen to his music before he converted to Islam. 
he was searching. He's talking about on the road to find out what find out what well, find mm-hmm. out what life is about. What's the point? You know, and some people yeah. go Christianity. Some people go Islam. Some people on and on. Right. Whatever. Yeah. And he went that direction and that was what spoke to him. Right. And yeah. he said he was heartbroken that when the world found out that he went to Islam, that they were burning his records yeah. and shunning him. And he thought, I was open with you. I poured my heart out to you. I played my soul to you on stage and in concert and in, in record and so forth. Eight, was that not around nine eleven, or am I mistaken on that? Cornell? No, not when he came out. No. Okay. It was long before that. Okay. And yeah. he, uh, you know, by the time nine eleven happened, he was already, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. Uh, okay. You know? Yeah. And um, <laughs> how was his show, by the way? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. He, his, voice was perfect and he had accompanists who played with him who were fantastic and you know due to his religion there's certain topics that he won't talk about or sing about so he had somebody else come up and accompany him so they could sing you know like another saturday night is a song where he says uh i got some money uh because i just got paid how I hope I can find some chick to talk to. Right. <laughs> well, he's not going to, as an, as a Muslim, he's not going to say that on stage, right. whatever. I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah. religious at all. So no matter what religion he is, I'd be like, that's fucking dumb, but <laughs> <laughs> he has the freedom to do so. It's yeah, lame, so he, had, bro. <laughs> he had Chris Cornell on stage with really him, singing the part where he says, I got some money because I just got paid. How I wish I had some chick to talk to. I'm in an awful way. Like That's awesome. he had, you know, he's got fans. Anyway, the point being that then he talked about this and I thought, whoa, this is a, this is a, what what do they say on Seinfeld? They're like, oh, that's a big banana hanging out there. You know, and it's like, <laughs> yep. it, he brought it up and talked about it. Obviously yep. it's part of his show. And he said, and I felt betrayed because I never judged anyone. I never judged right. anyone. I a lot of people's excuse was no, but he wanted Salman Rushdie killed, and it's like no, he never commented on it. Yeah. He never said don't kill Salman Rushdie for the satanic verses or whatever it was called. But he also never said kill Salman Rushdie. He was just a fucking guy who found right. his book that worked for him to live through his life, and he said. And on that day, I decided, all right, then I guess I'm done. I'm not going to share anymore then because I don't want to hurt you. And I don't want you to hurt me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna recede. And then it was only through time that things kind of healed, and he was able to come out and say, like, call me Yusuf, call me Cat Stevens. It doesn't matter. The T-shirt said Yusuf Cat Stevens on them. So <laughs> okay, yeah. You know. Well, yeah, it makes you you know wonder. It's like because obviously people were affected by his art, and then oh, I changed my name and my religion, so yeah. I'm gonna burn my stuff now. It's like yeah. you're still affected by it. Still, that, yeah. That kind of gets you know to the had you know that gray area of where you separate the art from the person like with people yeah. like you know polanski or you know sure Sp- kevin it's spacey hard. you know things like that Some it's like people. in those two you, examples you it's very difficult but you yes. can't deny the talent you. like you yeah, know right. i hear you well it might I mean, be a I, piece of shit but you know the talent it's, <laughs> it's funny like i'm a huge springsteen fan my brother can't take it because his politics are <laughs> so different from Springsteen's right uh, yeah and and I'm like oh that's dumb by the same token I can't listen to Ted Nugent anymore because I think he's nuts <laughs> but yeah. I still love Dave Mustaine from Megadeth yeah, and he's right. also a little nutty yeah 
And obviously, yeah, you know, like, I don't I don't believe in Islam. I don't not believe in it. I don't believe in anything. It doesn't matter. Do you? I do me. Yeah. But like Cat Stevens uh, converting didn't mean anything to me. Didn't affect me. Didn't bother me. My only thing was like, come on, dude, come out and do some music. You know, we right. love you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was his point was like, yeah, and I loved you, too. But you guys turned your back on me. And yeah. I, obviously some people did, but. And can you can you imagine what it would have been in internet age? You know, because oh. you know, obviously this was before that. You know, before Twitter and oh, all there that. Would have been so pictures, like... there would have been pictures of him in a turban with little yeah. girls in a box or something, <laughs> yeah. and he'd be he'd be part of QAnon somehow. But oh, exactly. uh, you know, switching switching gears a little bit, I wanted to go yes. back to the film and say this odd thing. Stay on topic, Dan. Yeah, sorry. I was auditioning for a terrible film, well, which I didn't get. And I did many terrible films. So, and then, uh, and then it won. And then it won I many think, Oscars. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I think it was what to expect when you're expecting. Oh, yeah, good on <laughs> you. Rock for Rob anyway, oh, I didn't pass. I didn't get it. Um, oh. <laughs> but I'm sitting there in the audition room, going, "Oh man, this thing is fucking dumb." And I look across, and there is Bud Court sitting there oh, really? waiting to audition. And I'm going, "Oh my." fucking god do you say something or do you not like okay well if it's me i wouldn't be offended if someone said yeah but yeah. he's bud court and you're dan what's your name again <laughs> and i'm like and i'm like do i say something and i walk over to the sign-in sheet to like check and be like yep that's bud court holy crap and so i thought well you could just have a conversation and not bug him about him being bud court you're just both in the same room and he was the nicest damn guy i didn't I, I wanted to say, dude, your movie saved my life because it's yeah. the truth. Cat Stevens' music, that movie, Bud's uh, portrayal, the words, all of it. It really kept me from going to the darkest place possible uh, on a crucial summer. And I wanted to so badly say something, but I didn't want to make him uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? And also, I didn't want to be like, hey, that one thing you did that everybody knows you from. The guy's worked a ton. <laughs> right. But it's right. like, you know, it's like Mark Hamill. Like you're Luke Skywalker. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I've done a yeah. shitload of stuff, dude. And it's like, yeah, nobody cares about the Joker, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, for what it's so, worth, you know, I mean, I don't do a lot of name dropping, but I was no, I was that's, pretty shaken when I saw that. Yeah. So, so you didn't say anything? No, we just had a normal conversation. Like, oh, okay. okay. But it was like, well, I mean, that's time, cool too. What time least. is your appointment? And he was like, oh, I, I think 11. I said, oh, okay. I'm 11, 10. <laughs> so you, you'll go first. And he's like, ah, whatever they do. I mean, you know, I said, yeah, right. Uh, who wants to make enemies in rooms? Like these, right? like, <laughs> yeah. You know, this is like a conversation yeah. that I was like, I so badly wanted to tell him. Cause I have had people, you know, again, like we talked about with legit earlier that if someone comes up to me and says, Hey man, that show really pulled me out of a dark place. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Oh, let's talk. You know, like I want to, I want to make connections with people over yeah. the, the work that I do. I hope that it has, yeah an impact on people in a positive way you know I, sure not not a lot of what i've done stands a chance at that but you know I, you hope it does well i no, do have to say yeah. you're just real quick the the character you played on veep it is one of the most memorable characters <laughs> thanks the the bullying the outright yeah. mental abuse and what's so great about it, it it works so well of course because of your performance but the writing because it's, it's done to a character that we all want to see be bullied and, yes. and humiliated what does it feel like to um, I, I i guess we should have covered this earlier but what does it feel like to unload on someone well like, i i don't set? 
I can't say that it would be this way for everyone, but for me, it was extremely cathartic. Uh-huh. You know, I would almost always say to a person like, Hey, uh, you read this, right? And they're like, yeah. And I go, okay. So, you know, I didn't, this is just, I'm sorry. And let's have fun. What's your name again? You know, and then like have a little <laughs> chat. And then there's times where we do takes where it's like, okay, now Dan say whatever you want. And then I throw out the most horrifying things <laughs> I can think of in the moment based on what they actually look like sitting in front of me. You know, I don't know if you remember, there was one in season two or three, uh, a woman that I called grimace. She's wearing purple. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was an, a, a middle-aged woman and she wasn't, you know, I mean, she wasn't built any better than I am. Let's put it that way. Right. And like, and I called her grimace it's in the script, but that's all they said was like, all right, grimace, get back to work. And then when we did a free take, I was like, all right, grimace, get back to work. Oh, don't fucking cry. Cause I called you grimace. It's not because you're wearing purple. It, I said, it's because you're wearing purple, not because your head melts into your shoulder. <laughs> you know, like, and then afterwards, I was like, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And she's like, are you kidding me? It's great. Because most people at that point already knew right. the show and they know what they're getting into. I always wonder about that. Like, yeah, like do, do actors like obviously you're talking about a specific uh, physical trait of theirs that they really have. So, it's like, oh, man, how does that feel afterwards? Is it awkward? Well, it was far, like, <laughs> far more difficult on The Daily Show where you're going into oh. a person's house and they're taking it completely seriously because this is an opportunity yeah. for them to get that story out there. They got this prison and there's no fence around it. And they want to put a fence up. And we're like, why would you want to put a fence around it? And so we yeah. go in there to go, what are you nuts? You know, we play the opposite and mess with them. And this old guy in this one, I'll never forget. His name was Dennis Ron with an H, H-R-O-N. And he said, he said, you know, I've rearranged more than one man's asshole when he pushed me too far. And I was like, I'm going to get beat up by a World War II vet. Yeah. And I deserve it because I'm well, teasing him, you know, in his right, own exactly. house. Um, but that's different because they're not in on the joke. And I did not enjoy that because I don't like playing with someone who's not in on the joke. Yeah. It's not as much fun for me. It's different. Like the impractical jokers guys, like th- that's totally different. Cause afterwards they go, we're just kidding. Yeah, you yeah. want to air it. That's okay. But with the daily show, man, there was free <laughs> interviews and everything and everything was signed. And then we just launched. I was like, Oh, I can't do it. Okay. I didn't know that. Like, I figured you guys said something at the end, like, yeah, it was just a gag. Oh, yeah, at or... the end we say like, Hey, I hope you know that this is, you know, it's a satire, but by then they're already like, I offered you lemonade and you're in my fucking house. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Um, before we wrap up at Harold and Maude, Dave got to mention Veep. I, I, I'm a life in pieces guy. Uh, yeah. So I just want to say, yeah, uh, I was introduced to me. I didn't catch it until after it was off the air, but yeah. it was introduced to me by, uh, we were on a family vacation with my wife's family. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law introduced it to me. And yeah, we absolutely love Tim. Um, yeah, and you. it's funny. My sister-in-law's name is Heather and they call, oh, uh, they, <laughs> they call, um, my brother-in-law, they always say, is like Tim on the show. So yep. he's always saying Heather. Um, so yeah. Just, well, I don't uh, have my I don't have my I heart heater tattoo, which I swore I was going to get season four, but then I found out we were only doing half a season, and I was like, I'm not getting a tattoo because they yeah. would show that. I I insisted after Tim got that tattoo, I said, 
then I want that tattoo on me all the time in case I take my shirt off in the scene. I want that tattoo to be there. Yeah. Season four, I'll get the tattoo. If yeah. Season four. And then we, oh, out, we only, only got 13 episodes. I was like, I'm not doing it for half an episode. Yeah. Half a season. What a cast, though, man. That one, that was, man. That was yeah, really tremendous. That was Colin, something else, man. Colin Hanks, uh, oh, James God, Brolin. Oh, Weiss, man. I mean, she's damn yeah, yeah, treasure. Exactly. She's yeah. the mom in everything from that from my childhood, the 80s and, you know. Right. Are you a Breaking Bad guy at all? Yeah, of course. So yeah, I, I was so. starstruck working with Betsy the first yeah. couple of days because I was like, again, kind of like Bud Court. Like, you don't want to make that the thing you talk about. You want to find something else. But she's also beautiful. And so you're yeah. like, what am I going to talk about? I'm going to seem like I'm coming on to her or I'm just talking about the show. Like, yeah, oh, what do I do? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to You got to eventually ask questions. Yeah. It was four seasons. So, yeah, yeah. it's got to come up. Dan, um, do, you but, have a, do you have a hard out or do you have a couple of minutes or no? I don't. I don't have a hard out. I'm good. Whenever you okay. need. I wanted um, to. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I, I wanted to throw a comparison out to you guys just to see what you thought, because it, it struck me watching this film uh, back to Harold and Maude. Yes, please. The Graduate. Yeah. I kept thinking of The Graduate when I was watching this film. Um, one, I think maybe the most obvious, well, there's maybe two obvious things. One is the score. Because you have the Simon and Garfunkel score. It's not even really a score. It's just, I guess it's just a soundtrack of a band. Soundtrack, yeah. And, yeah. and then you have Cat Stevens. The other is certainly the relationship with the older woman. Both in the beginning credits say music by yeah Cat yep, yep. Stevens, music by Simon and, and Garfunkel. I almost wondered, and I didn't look this up or if it's true or whatever, but this almost felt like a response to The Graduate. Um, and I, it just in brief, I, I like The Graduate. I love the performances. But what I don't like about The Graduate <laughs> at the same time is that it feels I'm left with I'm always left with an empty, dead feeling at the end of the movie, it all kind of seems pointless. You know, what, what was this movie really about? Why did I see it? Yes. I like Dustin Hoffman. It was all really cool and stylish and all that we see. And then moving on to Harold and Maude, we get almost a similar feeling, but it actually comes to a resolution. Um, and maybe some echoes. We see Harold in the pool, a um, little bit of that. And so in a way, I almost feel like Harold and Maude did the graduate better in a sense that's kind of my takeaway sitting here right now thinking about it having two of those movies in mind um like to know what you guys both think of that i think that's tremendous it never even dawned on me until you said it and i start going oh my god yeah the music the the time the the relationship the the time of life that both dustin hoffman's character and and uh, harold are going through of like what am i going to do next in my life yeah all of that stuff and you're right. I do feel like Harold Maude has this resolution, you know, and death will do that to a film. It'll, mm -hmm. it'll bring a resolution. Shakespeare, I think Shakespeare figured <laughs> yeah. that out pretty early, but like there is a resolution of like, I got to go now. I taught you everything I can teach you. You're on your own, go do it. And then he jumps that car off the thing. And if you've never seen it, you go, Holy shit. He finally <laughs> did it. Yeah, Like he took the wrong message from everything she said. <laughs> right. And then you get that switch. Whereas yeah. on the graduate, it's all happy riding away, just married, you know, back of the car. I'd rather see Dustin Hoffman in the back of a bus slumped over dead yeah. in, in, in drugstore cowboy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's just, to me, that's my sensibility. Uh, so yeah. the darker, the better, the, the, the harder, the out, the better for me. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, Dave. I was gonna I was gonna make the same comparison, but only to the music. But yeah, then I realized, yeah, you're right about the the older, you know, him seeing an older woman, and you know, all that. Like, what do I do with my life next? Like, yeah, um, yeah that's yeah, fantastic comparison. But yeah, this uh, this definitely goes a different uh, direction, and you know, plays with your mind a little. Cause again, yeah, you think they're, he's, he's dead and you know, it's over and, but no, it's, he, he walks away with his banjo and then you get the cat Stevens, you know, great, you know, song. If you want to be that beautiful shot pulling away like this cliff. I want to say, you know, just so you know, I didn't mean I want to see Dustin Hoffman dead in the back. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Referring to Ratso Rizzo. Yeah. (laughs) Because I realized I was like, it just sounded like I want to see Dustin Hoffman dead. I don't. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) And also, I think it's like The Graduate, Harold and Maude, and Wally. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can see that. Same exact movie. (laughs) Same thing. Wally falls in love with the. Right. Yeah. The the other robot's got to figure his way out in the world. (laughs) Yeah. It's really just the hero's journey, isn't it? I mean, I I don't get into the the film archetypes much, but it is. It's the same story as what? Smokey and the Bandit, isn't it? I mean, it's basically like you got a problem. Right. You got to get eastbound in a certain amount of time, loaded up and trucking. And you got to deliver that Coors Light before Sheriff Buford, whatever his name was. Yeah. It was yeah, a T Pusser. like that. Buford T Pusser. <laughs> well, what is it? As someone said there's only like five stories, you know, yeah. in total. At the end of the, I, I don't know if it's five exactly, but I remember reading that. I'm like, something like know, that. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. They say there's like six, six characters, 12 relationships, and five stories, something like that. I'm not, yeah. 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 yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, right. I'm yeah. Trying to hit the dartboard as accurately as I can with that. And, yeah. I, and I tend to agree with it because, look, I mean, name a relationship that hasn't been done yet. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, well, in, in theater, in improv back in Chicago, we say, name one I haven't heard. And they'd be like a prostitute and priest. And I'd go co-workers or strangers. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they're, they're they either know each other and they're working together or they don't know each other and they're strangers. Yeah, it's got to be like uh priest and an inanimate object or uh, yeah I, that's I called evidence yeah exactly yeah. Um, but yeah i i've never seen such a bleak feel-good film in harold and yeah. maud it's uh you know it's uh, but like dave was saying you know early it's 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 not as dark like it's it's you got if you take the darkness more as comedy it's less bleak, obviously, but it's dark comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's think, that's for sure. I think certain. Dave's right too, though. If you miss that glance that the mom gives, and she kind of like, oh, yeah, when she sees him <laughs> hanging in the first five minutes of the film, and you go, oh, that's what's going. On. Oh, I see. So he does this a lot, or else yeah. she wishes he was dead, or you know, <laughs> something like that. It's such yeah. a. <laughs> it just strikes me. It's it's it's, it's a not the reaction like anyone would have. You know, it's right. the sure. fact that you're you're over it, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is different. Seeing someone hanging. And also the other, I just thought of the other pause that he has that's so brilliant is when the the therapist says, "How many of these attempts have you had?" And he goes, "Well, an accurate number would be difficult to." come up with a good well, then a rough estimate he goes a rough estimate and then he goes his eyebrows <laughs> go up as he pauses while he's thinking and then he goes 
15. <laughs> like it's another one of these big, long pregnant pauses. You could drive right through. It's kind of like he, winking to the audience, right? Yeah. Oh, there is that shot where yeah. he looks right at the audience. After yeah. He scares the girl away with the immolation. <laughs> and then his mother looks at him and he looks right at the camera yeah. with a little side smirk, <laughs> but then he can feel her looking at him and he looks away and you go, that's all, that's all Hal Ashby. That's all the beauty and wonder of that guy doing what he does. Well, and his first uh, line is comes from a long pause, if I'm not mistaken. It's, I believe, his first line is when the therapist asks, like, what he likes to do, and he takes this long pause and he says, "I like to go to funerals, or, <laughs> right? You know, whatever he right. says." His first, I think, his first line is, "Harold, aren't you feeling well?" I have a sore throat. Oh yes, just, you're right. Yep. On himself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the other thing I was thinking about the the relationship, and I don't want to keep you guys forever. But no, we, the, we're here the, for the your relationship pleasure. of the two of them, of Harold and Maude, when she says, "What do you do when you're not at funerals?" And then they cut to him watching a, a building being demolished, <laughs> and yeah. you can see that she's into it, but not entirely, because she goes, "Yep, there is certainly a definite attraction." And then she's <laughs> sitting under the the wrecking ball, and she goes. Hey, um, you know, do you ever think, isn't it enough? And he's like, well, what do you mean? And she goes, well, and then she points at the destruction. And I thought like, is that her kind of going like, this makes me a little uncomfortable because of the destruction she's seen in the world. Like, why are we watching destruction as opposed to life, which she says in the forest with him, with the tree, when she goes, look at us, we're surrounded by life. Mm. And she's yeah, kind of it, bringing him out of that destruction place and destructive exactly. phase oh. and into the light. That's it's great. That insight, o- yeah. Optimistic, yeah, spin she puts on on everything because obviously she's gone through life, went through the Holocaust, yeah. you know, all that. And here's a 22 year old kid who's essentially been through nothing. I mean, never I mean, experienced anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, she's the one who's experienced so much you know, uh, atrocities and, you know, just torment probably. Yeah. So destruction, she's the one. Yeah. Destruction is the opposite, right? Destruction right. is yeah. death. And so, yeah, it, I, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't either until this viewing when I went, Oh, she's uncomfortable. I was watching it more as an, I hate to say, boy, I sound like a douche, you but I was watching it more as an actor <laughs> At this point, going no, we, that's why we love like, that. Yeah, wow, we love hearing what that. What a fucking great, what a great yeah. experience. And then when he gives her the little trinket at the fair, and she goes, oh, Harold loves Maud. And she goes, and Maud loves Harold. And then she throws it in the water. Yes. And he's like, what? And she goes, so I'll always know where it is. I right. And it. you go, ah, you got a cute little answer for everything, don't you, Maud? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, and I love too the uh, I have one more line here um, where she says, "The Earth is my body, my head is, in, is the in the stars." And Who said that? <laughs> yeah, I love how she's the one who asked the question. Yeah, you know, she she Harold doesn't say who said that. She says, "Who said that?" Yeah, and says, "I don't know." She says, "Well, I suppose I did then." <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe maybe she did. I don't know. I should look up that quote and see if it is. She's actually a, from just a zany but... little old lady. You know, exactly. I, I, th- one of the things I noticed in trying to do a little research for this was that, you know, Colin Higgins, I think is the writer, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he's French. So he, I think the original version of this, the play was written in French. And then you go, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Doesn't it dark, but romantic, but 
inappropriate, yeah. but also kind of full of love and romance. And, you know, it, it fits. If you told me this was Italian or French, I'd go, yep. Or yeah. Russian. You know, if yeah. you told me it was it Russian, I'd go, oh, yeah. Not, yeah, very much <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. Well, it's um, great. I'm glad, they, I'm glad they did it here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, me too. Right. Me too. I, uh, well, and also we we appreciate the uh, uh, you know because hey we have guests on and we understand that sometimes they can't watch the movie before so we that really appreciate happened, that yes. you've you watched it and you did research so it looks oh. like you took notes and we love no that, I didn't so. I've been staring at my desk trying to think like what the hell oh, okay. was it? why didn't I take notes I wish <laughs> well, I was you, staring I was staring at a though. knife. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with that thing? Well, it's, it's finishing the tri- the trilogy, the Harold and Maude trilogy. Just got to do it right. Finally, there you go. Um, uh, but Dan, any any other any final thoughts on the great 1971 film Harold and Maude? No, I just I feel like if you haven't seen it, go see it. And I'm sorry that this is how you're hearing about it because now you know everything. Uh, and it, watch everything else Ruth Gordon ever did and everything else Hal Ashby ever did because yeah. being there is one of those top three. You can't deny it. Everyone's got it in a top 10. Well, what's great you know, too list. is, yeah. What's great too is we've had people tell us that, you know, we, they didn't watch the movie, but they listened the whole episode, made them go watch the movie just yeah. because of how passionate someone was speaking about it. Yeah. Even though they knew it was going to happen, you know, they still, you know, were just loved it. Yeah. So it's, it's I, lo- I love to, that this film says, I get it. I've been there. It right. feels like it's never going to end. Yeah. But it does end, and you're going to come out the other side. I heard someone once say, uh, t- nothing ever comes to stay. It always comes to pass. Yep. Tie a knot in the end of that rope and hold on. Yeah. You know? And it's yeah. like, and that's the thing. It's like, Harold, you're a kid. You're just going through s- some tough times. What you look at, you hit. It's like riding a motorcycle. What you look at, you're going to hit. So stop <laughs> looking at the bullshit on the side of the road and look down yep. the road. You know, look yeah. at the good stuff. Absolutely. Love it. So glad you picked this film. It's, uh, yeah, thanks, yeah, it's guys. so, so great. Um, what, uh, do you have anything you're working on that you wanted to promote or anything like yeah, that? Yeah. I, um, I just did, uh, I just did an episode of History of the World Part Two, the Mel Ooh. Brooks thing. They're doing, a, they're doing a series for that. Really? And yeah. And it's, um, Nick Kroll and Ike Barinholtz and the whole gang, uh, Wanda Sykes. And it's tell me more. To, I didn't have no idea. That's all I know. Happening. That's all I know. Really? And I know what I did, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. God okay. damn it. And, <laughs> and then, said, um, what it's, what's it going to be on you? You say, uh, Hulu, Hulu. Okay. That's Hulu. awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, that's great. Uh, and I did a series for HBO max called made for love. And our second season just came out. It's going to be finishing up this Thursday. Our second season finishes. And it's a, that's Ray Romano and Kristen Milioti. You can't yeah. go wrong. I mean, it's, it's you know, I didn't even know wild, that show existed. Sci-fi. Yeah. What's it about? Yeah. To, uh, Cause I, I it's just a, been totally it's a really blind crazy show. Another Florida girl, uh, uh, Alyssa Nutting, this uh, young woman from Tampa area herself. And she wrote this amazing book called made for love and based the series off of it. It's about a young woman who's trapped in a loveless marriage with a tech billionaire uh-huh. and she's trying to get out of it but he's got certain you know information and stuff where he puts a chip in her head and he can kind of keep her under control that way and um and i play his head of security until i go rogue so okay. there's uh but it's it's sci-fi it's comedy it's dark it's psychological it's a nice. really fun show awesome yeah 
I'll have to check that out for sure. Um, yeah. and then, uh, yeah, so that's, that's great. Are you allowed to say if Mel Brooks is in the Mel Brooks? Project? I don't know. I have no okay. idea. I know, all I know is who was there the day I was there and I signed a do not dis, a non-disclosure, which means I know I can't say anything more than I was here that day. Yeah. Um, they put you know, a bag over my head. They threw me in Yeah, a exactly. And then I showed up and they told me I looked like the piss boy. No, but, <laughs> which to me, you know, look, I was the perfect age for that movie when it came out. You know, the perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. History 12 of the world. Yeah. Like, oh, my yeah. God. This is everything to me. It was like American Monty Python. That's great. That's great. Love it. Uh, well, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really Thanks, appreciate fellas. you indulging us and letting us. Uh, anytime, yeah. man. Yeah. I'll think of another one. Yeah, yeah love please back. do. I was just about to say. You let me know. You reach anytime. out. Let me know when you need me. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone love falls through on you. I'll, I'll show up. And uh, if I get an hour and a half's notice, I will have watched the movie. So <laughs> love it. Oh, I'm loving well, this. <laughs> I know, right? Well, it was great talking with you, my man. Thanks, guys. There you have it, folks. Dan back at all. Life in pieces. Veep. Legit. Harold and Maud is the film. Check it out if you haven't. Great, great film great conversation on the film uh, again follow us on twitter at blockbuster cast instagram at blockbuster mentality blockbuster mentality.com five star review on itunes you know all that fun and uh yeah uh we uh you know i know we've been slower uh releasing episodes lately but bear with us you know it's uh it's been a grind these last few years and um you know it's we're we're we're, we're trying you know we, we got a little burnt out there for a little while uh but uh but yeah your continued support means a lot uh so yeah stay stay tuned for more episodes um but uh that is it for me folks for Dave and Dan I'm Ben and as always grab some popcorn grab some snacks we'll catch you guys